Hey everyone, John Moe here. I'm the host of The Hilarious World of Depression, and we're going to refeed an episode that originally came out last summer because we think it might help someone. And in times like this, it's good to try to help someone. I'm recording this at the end of a hard week. The famous designer Kate Spade, whose work made a lot of people happy, died by suicide after a long struggle with depression. Her sister reported that Kate Spade resisted treatment because of what other people would think. Then Anthony Bourdain, food writer, travel writer, but really a storyteller, whose work tried to bring people together, he died by suicide in France. Also this week, the Centers for Disease Control released new information about suicide, and it's not good news. Suicide rates are up in every age group under 74, men and women and kids. Suicide is now the number 10 cause of death in America. And through all this, you might have been hearing a lot of people urging you to get help if you're struggling with mental illness or think you might be. And they're right. You should. Got a toothache? You go to the dentist. You break your leg? You go to the hospital because you don't need to live in that pain and you want to treat it before it gets worse. And there are people and systems available to help you. And with mental illness, it's the same thing. Go treat it. Talk to someone. Get it taken care of. See if something can help. Do that. But how do you do that? What is step number one? Well, that's what this episode is all about. Hope it helps. God goes in to see a doc, says there's something wrong with me. I got a sadness I can't shake now. Is there something I can't take now? It's the hilarious world of depression, placebo edition, or maybe actual medicine edition. I'm John Moe. Hey, we are gearing up for our launch of season two. Some amazing interviews already recorded. People you're going to be really excited to hear from. Look to early fall for that premiere. Today, what we talk about when we talk about help. We say it all the time on this show. If you need help, get help. If you are struggling with depression or you think you might have symptoms that are related to depression, go see someone, we say. And it's good advice. Problem is, it's vague. How do you get help? How do you take that first step to find someone and get an appointment and start turning things around? I mean, it's not like ordering a pizza. Au contraire, yes, au contraire. (laughs) I don't know how you order pizzas, but uh, it's a little more complicated. It's a lot more complicated, yeah. Dr. Ken Duckworth is medical director for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. NAMI is America's largest grassroots mental health organization. I talked to him about where to start. First of all, you need to know that by uh, making the decision to seek help, you're already on the winning half of the bell curve in that it's a real challenge for people to get themselves to either acknowledge that they're vulnerable or to seek help. 
And my hope for people is that everybody gets to that place, but some people it takes months or years. And uh, for some people, I think it's almost impossible for them to recognize that they might have depression. So I think step one is a brief celebration, Uh, you know, the briefest of NFL style uh, celebrations, like I actually need help for this condition, which is treatable, is a threshold problem for many thousands, millions of people who don't access help. So that's the first point. The second thing is, as you mentioned, this is much harder uh, than finding other things in life, a contractor, a pizza, a car, right? Uh, There is no 911 for mental health help. Every state is organized differently. I used to be the commissioner of mental health here in my fair Massachusetts. And, you know, even within the states, the services were organized differently. Health plans, which are the most common place that people get their insurance paid for, uh, can have different networks. So your friend's therapist may not be in your network. So you could say, hey, my friend knows this great clinician who really helped me a great deal. Why don't you go to him, Ken? And you say, well, I'm going to look him up. And it turns out he doesn't take this insurance or is not part of that network. So it's actually quite a complex task. So the first thing is celebrate that you've made a decision to do this. The second thing is be patient and persistent is what I would say. So I would say that you start with someone that you trust. Uh, That's typically your primary care provider. Primary care providers, family doctors, uh, internists, the people you go for your annual physical, prescribe most of the antidepressants uh, out there in America. Not all depression requires antidepressants. And if you have a history of bipolar disorder, depression, antidepressants might be a bad idea. But a primary care doctor might know uh, the resources locally that are taking patients and that he has found to be helpful collaborators. For a lot of people, they hear psychologist and they hear psychiatrist. How do you even know which step to, to take first? Or is your advice find the general practitioner, find the the baseline doctor? Well, I think if you trust your primary care doctor, your family doctor, I'd start there. This is a person you know, you've conveyed your vulnerability to. I need help for this more than something else. What's nice about your primary care doc, if you choose to start there, is they also know that you don't have hypothyroidism, which could be causing this. They also know that any alcohol history you may have had in the past has been attended to, that you've been sober for three years. So the kind of co-occurring problems that can complicate matters might be able to be taken off the table by your primary care doc. But the primary care doc is only one of many portals into the world of getting a mental health clinician. And uh, I mention that because many people like and trust their primary care doctor, or in the case of your kids, your pediatrician. I mean, who doesn't like their pediatrician? I mean, really, these are wonderful human beings. If you're not likable, you shouldn't be a pediatrician in the first place. (laughs) They are among the nicest people on the planet, in my opinion, and they want to be in service to people. And mental health uh, is the chronic illness of the young. Uh, The National Institute of Mental Health released a report uh, about five years ago. It said three quarters of all psychiatric vulnerabilities occurred before age 25 and half before age 15. So pediatricians are noticing all kinds of problems, not just depression, ADHD, uh, early onset of eating disorders, PTSD from trauma lives. So, you know, the mental health component of primary care is a big piece of their work. 
And, uh, you know, I think they're, in a way, one of the backbones of the American mental health care system. But they're not allowed to deliver psychotherapy. And psychotherapy is an important treatment for depression. And I think they often will work with someone who can deliver psychotherapy. But I would say that the primary care world is one way. Now, there's another plan. If you have insurance, if you're lucky enough to have insurance, I want you to look on the back of your health insurance card. There's a number that might be called mental health, might be called behavioral health, might be called substance abuse and mental health, might be called substance use disorder, which is the more modern term. Substance abuse is more old school. And uh, we don't really use that term anymore because it implies too much moral judgment. Call the number on the back of your card if you can't find a clinician through their network. And there are people who work at the health insurance plans who are there to help you find a clinician. And this is important because you're actually paying for the health insurance and it's hard to navigate, right? Not every person that you might know is in your network. So use the number on the back of your card. I think this is one of the crucial aspects of having health insurance. I'm already a little confused. Are you saying, okay, so I'm a person who, let's say, who thinks something might be going on with a disorder, might be depression, might be something. Should I call a primary care doctor first or should I call that mental health number on the back of my card first? Should I ask for a psychiatrist? Should I ask for a psychologist? I'm overwhelmed. I have depression anyway. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going back to bed. Right, exactly. So uh, as we discussed, you know, this is much harder than ordering a pizza. Yeah. And, and for people with depression, it's harder still. That's much harder because, you know, there's typically energy vulnerabilities, activation vulnerabilities. So I would say there's not one path to getting the right clinician. Like that's you just have to accept that there is no straight line. Right. Uh, primary care docs are a great idea if you like or love your primary care doc. They know the local environment and they understand your medical history. Another idea is many of the mental health insurance companies have networks and they're published online and you can access that if you prefer to do that. But I would say if you can't find somebody in a relatively short order, contact the health plan. They have social workers typically who work for the health plan whose job it is to help you find people. Now, there's a lot of, uh, if I go on the website of my health insurance company, I see a ton of names. I see people all over the metropolitan region that I'm in. And uh, with when it comes to therapists, some of them are, are doctors. Some of them have other uh, initials and acronyms after their names. Uh, how do I find out what's best for me? Or do I just go with the person who lives, who works closest to my house? Well, I guess this, the, uh, what I'd say is there's a lot of varieties of people, but you want somebody who's independently licensed. How do I know when they're independently licensed? Ah, so this is an excellent question. First of all, you can ask them. It's a requirement of many health plans that if you are in a network, you have to be licensed by the Board of Social Work, the Board of Psychology, the Board of Psychiatry, um, the Board of Medicine in the case of psychiatrists. So... Um, you want to make sure that, but it's not a very transparent field. And even though there might be the equivalent of Yelp for three comments on a clinician, I've never found them to particularly correlate well with my take on some of the better professionals in the Boston area, because I think, you know, uh, I think maybe restaurants or movies might say the same thing on Rotten Tomatoes. The people who like the uh, service may or may not take the time to go online. 
right? So that's a skewed take. I'm not discounting it entirely. So, you know, ask the people in your life, do you know anybody? Have you found anybody who's helpful, responsive, respectful? Let's say we've gone through our network. We found somebody who might be able to get us some help. And then we call them to potentially set up an appointment. What information do we need to have on that phone call? And what questions do we need answered in order to find the right person for us? Well, first thing I would say is because depression is typically a condition that recurs over a lifetime, you may have learned what psychotherapy or medications or other intervention worked for you in the past. So if you lived in Arkansas and you moved to Boston and you know that cognitive behavior therapy helped you, many psychologists know how to do cognitive behavior therapy. You'd say, I've had some experience with depression. CBT helped me five years ago when I had a rough episode, uh, when I lost my job or something else happened in my life. Do you do cognitive behavior therapy, which is among the most commonly uh, applied and one of the best studies approaches uh, to psychotherapy? That would be a good question. Um, another, uh, another good question would be, um, here's what I can tell you about what I'm experiencing. Uh, is this something you've dealt with before? Do you have a cadre of people with depression? Because depression is so common, virtually every mental health practitioner would say that's part of their portfolio. And I do want to mention one other development uh, that's happening in the field, which is this emerging growth of teletherapy. The idea that you can use your phone or your computer to get therapy. This is a relatively new idea, but I think because as a society we've done well in growing demand for seeking help, although we have a long way to go, and we haven't really changed the supply. It still takes a decade to create a psychiatrist, still takes six or seven years to create a social worker. One of the questions I think we're asking, you know, as a community is, is there a more efficient way to deliver the same kind of care? So. If the therapist can see people on snowy days or people who are disabled and unable to leave their home, uh, people who you know, are in four hours of traffic in Los Angeles, is there a way to be more efficient in terms of people time? I would just also ask the clinician the question is if you have any of these situations, do you have a telehealth capacity and do I have a benefit for that? This bridges into my, my next question, which is what questions do you need to ask the insurance company when you're setting out to do this? Because you hate to get all the way through a session with a therapist you like only to discover there's some wrinkle, there's some box that you didn't check along the way. Right. So in Massachusetts, which is you know where I know the most because that's where I, I live and work, uh, you can see any therapist that you want in the network, in your network. Uh, without asking anyone. You don't have to ask the health plan. You don't have to ask your primary care provider. And you can go for however many number of sessions you want. And the therapist is uh, under the obligation to make sure that they've checked your insurance and that they've taken your proper insurance information. And they'll be like, wait a minute, this is Blue Cross of Alabama. Am I part of the network? That network is, you know, I, I'm here in Massachusetts. So these are questions the therapists have to sort. The basic principles are the member uh, is considered to be the person who, uh, you know, should be supported in the endeavor, and the professionals have a responsibility to attend to that, and the health plan has a responsibility to attend to that. So, um, 
You should know the basic rules of the health plan you've purchased. So if you have an HMO, right, that's going to have a different set of rules. But in Massachusetts, for psychotherapy, you can go to any therapist with most HMO plans. With PPO plans, uh, you typically don't have to ask your primary care provider to see anyone. But happily in Massachusetts, for HMO plans, you don't have to ask your primary care provider either to see a therapist, although you might have to ask your primary care provider to see a physical therapist. So it's hard because insurance is also complex and you have to have some working knowledge of your health plan benefits. What about people who have bad insurance or who don't have insurance? There's still more of those people out there in the country than than we'd wish there to be. Um, what's a good step for them to take? Yeah, if you don't have insurance, there's a, a group that called Free Clinics uh, in America. They're just a, uh, a great group of people that's doing um, non-insurance-based uh, care for people. The other thing is, if you go to your local community mental health center, almost invariably they have a sliding scale. And, uh, you know, they may take Mass Health in my case, or Medicaid more nationally. But if you don't have that, they might figure out, are you eligible for Medicaid, right? How close are you? Because that's actually a big part of their role is to figure out, well, what are the things in our society uh, might you be eligible for? Are there other benefits or services? If you've become disabled, there's the whole social security disability system that you might be eligible for. So going to your local community mental health center or community health clinic or free clinics uh, of America, you know, find out what they'll do for you. Uh, at the Massachusetts Mental Health Center, where I was the medical director, we would see people for a dollar a session if they didn't have resources, right? So I feel like... Uh, there's a way to get help, even though none of it's easy, uh, for a lot of people. But it does require the hardest thing of all, which is patience and perseverance in many instances. What, do you, what would you say to someone who has looked into getting an appointment with a psychiatrist, and I hear about this happening all the time, you call trying to set up an appointment with somebody, the soonest anyone can get you in is three months from now, six months from now, because we don't have nearly in, enough psychiatrists in this country. And you think, but I'm in a really bad spot right now. Maybe I'm not suicidal, but I'm in a really bad spot. I don't think I can wait all those months. What would you say then? Two, two things. Uh, I would say, is it possible that you could work with your primary care provider? Because the one question might be is, should I start a simple antidepressant? That would be a question that a primary care doc is probably quite well equipped to handle. And uh, should I be seeing a social worker, a psychologist to get psychotherapy? Psychotherapy helps people with depression a lot of the time, uh, often better with medication. But... Um, you know, we do have a supply-depend mismatch as it relates to psychiatry in America. There's no question about that. And uh, the stigma of seeing psychiatry has seemed to uh, have passed. Uh, people want help. They recognize this is a tremendous vulnerability with morbidity, mortality, work loss, the risk of suicide. People want the help. How do you evaluate whether a provider is right for you? Because to some extent, you've got to have a connection. You've got to feel comfortable with this person uh, enough to open up with them. I know people who've gone to one appointment with one therapist and said, nah, therapy's not for me, or, oh, it's a load of hogwash, because they had one 
bad experience? Like, how do you, how, how do you date in that dating pool? Boy, there's going to be no easy questions today, are there? I'm afraid not, sir. Can we go back to the pizza? <laughs> right? So, no. So, I think you have to follow your instincts. Does this person treat me with respect? empathy? Do I feel understood by this person? Do I actually break down and like this person? Like, can I see myself coming back to this person? How did it feel to sit with this person? And I usually encourage people uh, to give people, you know, a couple of tries if the first session isn't right, but then it's okay. Um, The uh, flip side of the system being fragmented and uh, poorly organized, which I think I'm on safe ground there with the field of mental health, is that there's a lot of choices. So you say, you know something? I don't think we're the best match. Do you know anybody in this area who treats depression with panic disorder? Do you know anybody in this neighborhood uh, who treats depression with co-occurring alcohol use? Say, yeah, actually, okay, maybe we're not the best fit. I see that. But, you know, there's a guy down the road, you know, you might want to talk to him. This is his thing. And I think it's okay. It's okay to say, I wonder if we're not the best match. And if you ever hear that from a therapist, don't take that as an injury. Maybe they actually don't know how to treat panic disorder. There's a very specific kind of treatment, exposure response treatment, for phobias, fears of snakes, fears of flying, uh, panic disorder, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder that co-travels with depression. Very specific kind of treatment. Most people can't do that. So don't assume that it's a bad thing or it's only about you. Even if a person says, you know, we might not be the best fit I've ever seen. People with depression get easily overwhelmed because simple tasks seem very difficult. So complex tasks such as finding a mental health care provider can seem overwhelming to the point of freezing you out from ever getting help. And it's a vicious cycle. What advice would you give to somebody who sees this whole project of getting help as impossibly overwhelming? Yeah, uh, I get the problem and I've seen that problem. So the question is, are there support people in your life who can support and even do some of this legwork for you? Your spouse, your best friend, a child who's sympathetic to this, a person at a local NAMI support group who's traveled in these waters and happens to know the best psychologist in your city or become friends with them. Um, You know, it's an interesting... Uh, challenge. It's an important challenge. And I think that uh, shame and stigma also compound the complexity for a lot of people. So the question is, do you have people in your life that you can have support you? And once you get into treatment, that's going to continue to be a need because you're battling a condition that can be disabling and life-threatening. And so you're going to need some help Uh, And if you don't have that, if you have a primary care doctor, see if you can use him or her to support you. Get help getting help. Unfortunately, you know, the condition is a challenge and the fragmented mental health system is a challenge, but people get help all the time. And the question is, you know, how do you get there? And uh, I think we have a long ways to go in terms of having an organized mental health system, but we have a lot of terrific clinicians, a lot of them. And uh, they went to school to help people with depression. So the question is, how do you find the right one? How do you overcome your anxiety, fear, shame, and the complexity of it? Because this is not ordering a pizza to stay with our original theme. This is also so much more complicated than that. 
and you're putting your um, you know treatment you know in a collaborative in the collaborative hands with another person. That's a lot. That's a big step for a lot of people. Dr. Ken Duckworth is medical director of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Dr. Duckworth, thank you so much. Thank you, and thanks for this show. Hey, I know we have listeners all over the world, and every country is probably a little different on this issue. Unfortunately, we can't cover them all. Still, reaching out to your family doctor and talking to friends seems like pretty good advice. The Hilarious World of Depression is a production of American Public Media. Chrissy Pease is our producer. Kate Moose is our executive producer. Special thanks to Nate Toby. Our technical director this time around, Corey Schreppel. Rhett Miller composed and performed our theme song. It's called Pagliacci. You can look for Rhett on the road, playing concerts, maybe in your hometown. More about Rhett is at rhettmiller.com. The National Alliance on Mental Illness is at nami.org. All sorts of great resources there. Also check out makeitok.org. Some great tips on how to start and maintain some of those awkward conversations about mental illness. Available at makeitok.org. If you need help right away, confidential free help is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week in the U.S. at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's at 1-800-273-8255. Again, that number, 1-800-273-8255. The 8255 also spells talk. You can find us on Twitter. We're at THWOFD. That's T-H-W-O-F-D. Or you can reach us by email. Slightly different with email. It's just T-H-W-O-D. Thwad. Thwad at AmericanPublicMedia.org. I'm John Moe. Bye now. <laughs>